Welcome to Burnside at Home for Sunday the 24th of January. This is now the third week of the tighter lockdown restrictions whenever we're not meeting together in the church building, but we praise God that we are able to still worship in spirit and truth. So although we are remote, we are joined together through the Holy Spirit as we worship our Lord and our Savior. We're able to worship online and also via the telephone line, and it is wonderful that so many of you have chosen to worship with us today. Thank you for joining with us once again this week. Please remember that uh, although I'm not able to call at your home during this pandemic, uh, we can still talk on the phone, so uh, please do get in touch if there are any pastoral issues uh, that I can help you with. Today, then, is the second week in our journey through lament. And as one person commented last week, I always viewed lament as something negative. And lament does have that air about it. When we think about lament, it sounds like something dreary and dull that we should really try to avoid at all costs. And I hope over this past week, through the Sunday service, and then through the daily Bible studies, you've realized just how positive an experience lament can be. Today, we're going to base our service around another psalm, this time Psalm number 10, another psalm of lament. And I hope that as we worship together, we're going to see how lament draws us to a greater trust in God. Now, of course, you may be saying today, what is lament all about? I've nothing to worry about. I've nothing that's distressing me. I'm not suffering or in any sort of pain. Why is lament relevant to me? And if that's the case today, then I rejoice with you and I give thanks with you that there is nothing wrong in any part of your life. But sadly, I suspect today that there are many of us who do fall into these categories. Maybe not all the time, but certainly there have been periods of time when we have fallen into those categories and maybe even now, maybe a season in your life where there is pain and there is suffering. I know that many of you have shared experiences with me, and I think lament will help you at this time to work your way through those things with God. Now, this series was born out of a desire to find a way to respond to the big things that are happening in the world for the like of the Black Lives Matter protests and how we as Christians should protest whenever we find something that is an injustice or that goes against God's Word. But the more that I live with lament, the more I realize it is there for more and more experiences of life. It is there for the big injustices that we hear about in the national news. It's there as a way for us to react to those things. But lament is also with us in our lives for the small things. Perhaps a relationship has disintegrated and we long for how things used to be and we lament. 
Lament is there whenever we're hit with ill health, and we long for the days when we could live without a care in the world. Lament is also there for the COVID-19 pandemic, as we lament the lockdown, as we lament the restrictions, as we long for the freedom and the lifestyle that we used to have. But lament is also there for even smaller things in our lives. Things that may seem insignificant to others. Things that we maybe wouldn't want to mention to others for fear of seeming trivial. But yet they really do impact our daily lives. Lament is here for that word that was spoken foolishly and yet cut us like a knife. Or lament is there for that word that we uttered foolishly and hurt someone else. Lament is here for that disagreement that means we can no longer speak to an old friend or a family member. Lament is here for that tension that exists where once there was only love and acceptance. Lament is here for every single thing that preys on our minds in the small hours of the night and stops us getting a restful night's sleep. And I want to be very clear as we worship in this time together. This is a journey that we're on today. And I'm inviting you to journey with me. I don't have all the answers, but I believe that God's Word has the answers. Lament is not an opportunity for us to wallow in self-pity and in blame. It's not an opportunity for us to point the finger at everyone else and say, you're wrong and you're not allowing me to live my life the way that I want to. Lament is here to help us return to God and find out what we can do in our circumstances. So last week, we looked at lament from Psalm 77, and we saw that when the storm clouds gather, we are to turn to God. And today, we're going to see how when the storm clouds gather, we honestly cry out. We cry out honestly to God. So today, let us worship God together. And as we honestly cry out to God in our lament, we begin with a very stark question from the opening verse of Psalm 10. Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Without even knowing what has happened to the psalmist, This seems like a very strange call to worship. This is the point in the service where I read a verse from the Bible and it calls us all to join together in worship. It's a call for each one of us to sit up and to pay attention and to think, right now I am ready to worship God. But yet here, This seems almost to be driving us away from God. Why do you stand far off, God? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? But if you have ever suffered, 
If you've ever been in pain, whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, then you may well have asked the same question. Eugene Peterson paraphrases it in the message like this. God, are you avoiding me? Where are you when I need you? So let's discover today that God is certainly not avoiding us. No matter how you feel, no matter what your experience may be today, God is not avoiding you. He is waiting here to receive us. And so therefore we come to him in worship. So let's bow before him in prayer together. Sometimes, Lord, we feel as though we are far away from you. Today, Lord, we come to you. We turn our attention to you and we honestly cry out to you. We pray today, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us. That you would dwell in us through your Holy Spirit. And we ask, Lord, that through this time of worship, as we sing, as we pray, as we read your word, may you draw us closer to you. Lord, we acknowledge that sometimes in this life, things are not easy. We suffer, we experience pain, we go through difficulties and times of distress. There are times, Lord, when we feel far away from you. And yet, Lord, there are other times when we rejoice. When we come right into your presence and we know that you are right beside us and things could not be better. So, Lord, we ask that you would be with us today through all the times of life. But Lord, as we lament today and cry out to you in times of suffering, we thank you, Lord, that you know all about suffering. You're not a God who is sitting in a beautiful palace looking down upon your humble subjects and thinking to yourself, why don't they just get on with things? Why are they so distressed? We thank you, Lord, that you came to this earth and you suffered and went through pain and distress and turmoil. You were rejected by many. Your very friends turned on you. And Lord, because of that experience, we know that we can come to you today and trust in you. We know, Lord, that you are with us. And so therefore, Lord, we worship you and we praise you today. So Lord, be with us now in this time of worship together and draw us close to you. For we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we saw how lament leads us to the gospel. That yes, lament is negative in that we're crying out in distress, but it turns to the positive side of things as we experience the gospel and the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Whenever we turn to God, whenever we cry out to Him, we're reminded of that good news of the gospel. 
Now we're going to worship God with a song entitled Faithful to Forgive. It's performed by the New Scottish Hymns Band. And it explores how we should be lamenting our sin. That whenever we realize that we have sinned against God, we should confess that sin and, and lament it before Him. And then we realize that God is faithful to forgive us. The hymn begins in verse 1, O saints who know His wondrous grace, should it not cause us to lament our wayward hearts that shun His gaze, the love we scorn with proud contempt? Forgiveness we have had before from sins and stubborn hearts of stone, yet we are burdened now by more, and shame would warn us from His throne. But He is faithful to forgive. So let us humbly lay our sins before His cross and crucify them all. We'll stand accused by them no more. What wonderful forgiveness we have in Jesus Christ. And let's come to God in prayer once again, coming in lament, but also coming in thanksgiving. We want to thank God uh, for the offering that uh, His people have provided here within our congregation. And we also want to bring our laments about what is happening in the world before God. So let us pray together. 
Heavenly Father, as we come to you in prayer, we thank you that you are not far off, but you are here beside us and you are listening to us. We thank you for your offering today, Lord, in whatever way that has been given. And we pray that as it is received, that it would be used for your glory here. Lord God, we come lamenting today. We lament the restrictions that are in place. And Lord, we realize how necessary they are, but we long for the time whenever we will be able to meet together. Lord, we lament the pandemic. And we ask, how long, O Lord, will this disease continue? We lament the separation from our family and friends. And we ask, Lord, when will we be united again? We lament the pressure that is on our health service at this time. And we ask, Lord, when will the pressure ease? And when will there be relief for doctors and nurses and staff throughout the health service? Lord, we lament these things. But Lord, we realize that you are the sovereign God. And you are here waiting for us to turn to you. And so, Lord, in our lament, we acknowledge that you are sovereign. We confess our own sin before you, Lord, and ask for forgiveness today. And we pray that you would be with us and that you would help us. We acknowledge that you are the God of salvation, the God who redeems. You are the one who is in control. And therefore, Lord, we worship you today, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our first Bible reading today is taken from Psalms, from Psalm number 10. I was going to ask somebody else to read this psalm, but I didn't think it was fair because it's quite a tough psalm. It's a tough psalm emotionally. Near the end of the psalm in verse 16, there is a turnaround whenever the psalmist starts to remember the good deeds of the Lord. But bear with me as we read this psalm of lament together. Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes he devises. He boasts of the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. His ways are always prosperous. He is haughty, and your laws are far from him. He sneers at all his enemies. He says to himself, nothing will shake me. I'll always be happy and never have trouble. His mouth is full of curses and lies and threats. Trouble and evil are under his tongue. He lies in wait near the villages. From ambush, 
he murders the innocent, watching in secret for his victims. He lies in wait like a lion in cover. He lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. His victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under his strength. He says to himself, God has forgotten. He covers his face and never sees. Arise, Lord. Lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? But you, O God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take it in hand. The victim commits himself to you. You are the helper of the faith fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evil man. Call him to account for his wickedness that would not be found out. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. You hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. Defending the fatherless and the oppressed. In order that man who is of the earth may terrify no more. Amen. I wonder, are you any good at complaining? Some people are really good whenever it comes to complaints. They get their point across very clearly. They're very forceful and calm whenever they complain, and they get a result at the end of it. Some other people are useless at complaining. They either lose their temper, they go over the top, they, they shout and scream and get nowhere, or they're so timid that they don't want to bring up the problem, that they sort of go round and round in circles, not wanting to say that anything is really wrong. Sometimes whenever I have to complain about something and I'm, I'm really upset because something has really annoyed me or I've been trying time and time again to, to get my point across and nobody seems to be listening. It's usually to do with broadband or, or telephone lines or something like that. Quite often I'll say to the person on the other end of the phone, look, I realize this isn't your problem. I realize this isn't your fault. I know that you haven't caused it. But look, it is really frustrating me. I just can't seem to get the problem solved and nobody seems to be helping me with it. So look, I really apologize for all this hassle. I really apologize for all the complaints. But is there any chance that you can do something about it? Is there any way that you can fix this problem? And then I hope that somebody will be able to fix it. Somebody will be able to sort out the problem. Today, as we come to God once again in lament, I'm suggesting that we come and honestly cry out to God. And in a way, it's a little bit like that approach to complaining. We're coming to God and we're saying, look, 
this is what's frustrating me. This is something that I just cannot get my head around. I cannot understand what is going on. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. Nothing seems to be fitting in the place. And look, Lord, deep down, I know that this is not your fault. But Lord, it feels like it. It feels like this has come from you, and I just cannot make sense of it. Lord, please help. And and I think in layman's terms, that's what lament is about. We complain. We tell God the situation we're in. We tell him how we feel. And then as we tell him how we feel, we realize who he is. We realize who we are. And we realize what needs to be done about it. There's nowhere else that we can turn apart from to God. So we're bringing it to God and we're asking if there is anything that he can do. And we know that there is something he can do because he's God, he's sovereign, he's in control. And of course there's something he can do. And sometimes in the midst of our pain and sometimes in the midst of our turmoil, this is all that we can do is to turn to God. So we ask sometimes, where is God? Where is He in the midst of all that's happening to me? The psalmist puts it so well in that opening verse. He says, Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And this is an accusation. He is accusing God of hiding just at the point when He needs Him most. Now, is this justified, this accusation? Is he right in saying that God is standing far away and hiding? Well, probably not. There's probably no truth in this whatsoever. And we'll discover later in the psalm that God has indeed gone nowhere, that God is there all along. But at this moment, this is what it feels like for the psalmist. And in our moments of distress and suffering, sometimes this is how it feels to us. God, where are you? Why have you left me? Why have you abandoned me? When it feels like God has left and he has abandoned us. And we've probably all gone through at least one moment in life like this, if not multiple moments in life. The honest cries of the psalmist are perhaps more explicit in this psalm than they are anywhere else. Where is God? But then he moves on to ask another question. Why do the evil succeed? Why do those who are evil and turn away from God so successful in life? To the psalmist at this point, nothing seems fair. The psalmist starts to list the injustices. And he's asking, Lord, why do you allow these things to happen? If you had been here and not off hiding, this would never have happened, surely. doesn't seem fair. The wicked are doing everything wrong, and the psalmist is implying, how can this be allowed to happen? 
It's almost as if the psalmist is saying here, look, Lord, I try my best. I do everything that you demand of me, Lord. I spend my whole life trying to please you. And it just seems to be getting me nowhere. What's the point in it? Look at the wicked. They don't care what they do, and yet they're successful. Look at how he describes the wicked person from verse 2 onwards. In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes he devises. He boasts of the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. It's a real catalog of accusations against these evildoers. In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there's no room for God. His ways are always prosperous. You see, he's succeeding. He's doing well. Everything seems to be falling into his lap, even though he hasn't a thought for God. He is haughty, and your laws are far from him. He sneers at all his enemies. That's not the way to live in this world, and yet it seems to be doing fine for those who are evil. He says to himself, nothing will shake me. I'll always be happy and never have trouble. And then even his mouth is full of curses and lies and threats. Trouble and evil are under his tongue. This is what the evil person is like. Lord, it goes against all of your word. And yet it's not fair. They're doing well. I'm miserable and I'm suffering and everything's been handed to them. Lord, what is the point in following you if this is what happens? It's an honest cry to God and it's perhaps how we feel at times and how we should honestly come before God in our prayers as well. But then... The psalmist, having detailed what the evil person does, asks this very question. says, how can they get away with this? How is this possible? How can you live so far away from God and yet still get up in the mornings and eat and breathe and enjoy life? So then from verse 8, the psalmist describes what the evil person does. And see if this description seems familiar. This is a psalm that I have sadly read on many, many occasions. Many times I've read it from this pulpit and from other pulpits as well. Whenever there have been atrocities, whenever there have been actions in the world that we can't seem to get our heads around or to understand, the psalm seems to capture our feelings. I read this psalm the Sunday after the Oma bombing, whenever we were in the Antrim. I read it here from this pulpit the Sunday after 9-11. I read it after the shootings in Paris just a few years ago. I've read it privately on many occasions because although it deals with the big events, sometimes the tiny personal events can seem this big in our own minds as well. 
God doesn't want us to keep these things to ourselves. He wants us to bring them to him and cry out honestly. Look at what the psalmist says. The evil man lies in wait near the villages. From ambush, he murders the innocent, watching in secret for his victims. He lies in wait like a lion in cover. He lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. His victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under his strength. He says to himself, God has forgotten. He covers his face and never sees. This is an honest cry to the Lord. They are words that we can use when we are unable to comprehend what has gone on in the world and the evil that has been perpetrated. They're words that the psalmist uses whenever he sees injustice, whenever he sees the evil man ignoring God and preying on the helpless and the innocent. In laments, we cry out honestly to God. We cry out to Him because He hears our prayers. And that means He acts upon them and then we come to the turning point of the psalm. You'll see it there from verse 12 onwards. There's a distinct change between the end of verse 11 and the beginning of verse 12. This is a lament, and in every lament there is a turning point. There's a moment of putting God back where he deserves to be. It's not that God has gone anywhere. But the psalmist needs to restore God onto the throne of his life. Lift him up where he deserves to be. Arise, Lord. Lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? The wicked person doesn't believe that there will be a day of reckoning. The wicked person doesn't believe in judgment, thinks that they will escape the judgment of God. The wicked person thinks that if they can get through this world, then that's all that there is, and there is nothing more to come. But then comes the salvation. There's always a moment of gospel recognition within the Psalms of Lament. Whenever we turn to God and we realize His mercy and His redemption and His salvation, God is not far away. God is not hiding in this time of trouble. He is right here. He does see what's going on. He's not covering His eyes 
so that he ignores what the evil person is doing. And those who are suffering, the innocent, the victims in all of this, can find rest in God. But you, O God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take it in hand. The victim commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Then it gets rather serious. Because the psalmist, in his moment of lament and realizing what God does do and what God can do, now asks God to judge and punish the evil. Break the arm of the wicked and evil man. Call him to account for his wickedness that would not be found out. Now, this is not the psalmist calling on everyone else to go out and to take matters into their hands. It's not like standing up here and saying, oh, I wish somebody would go out and deal with that evil person. Oh, you know, wouldn't it be terrible if something happened to that evil person in the middle of the night? And sort of nodding and winking as if if anyone hears this, they can go and do that. That's not what's happening here. The psalmist is genuinely calling to God and asking God to take retribution because God will do it fairly and properly. You see, the Lord is king. The Lord is sovereign, and He is in charge. How is God able to do all of this? He's able to do it because he is the king. And it's important that we end our lament with a statement of who God is. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. You hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed, in order that man who is of the earth may terrify no more. Lament only makes sense if God is king, if he is sovereign and in control. If Satan is in control, and if Satan is able to do whatever he wants, then there is no point lamenting to God because it will get you nowhere. But God is king, and he is in control, and therefore we bring our laments to him, and he is able to answer. It is important that we don't just dwell on the pain and the suffering. It's important that we don't just dwell on the problem and become insular and caught up in our own situation. It's important that we move beyond the terrorist acts. It's important that we move beyond the deeds of the evil one. It's important that we state that God is king. So I've asked Reed Anderson to read Psalm 29 for us. And this is a psalm of praise to God. A psalm proclaiming that God is sovereign and in control. 
And as we reach the end of Psalm 29, we hear that God is the king, that he is in control. And instead of recounting the deeds of the evil person, and instead of us wallowing in the words of lament, we rejoice at the end of our time together, recounting the mighty deeds of God. So let us hear Psalm 29 together. Psalm 29. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He make them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve and discover the forest. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Amen. We're going to finish our time together with a tremendous hymn. It's maybe one that's not familiar to everyone, but it has a simple tune, very clear words, and I think it is worth including it at the end of our service, just to draw our attention to Jesus Christ and to remember that Christ is with us always. He's not far away. He's not hiding in times of trouble. This hymn is called Christ is Mine Forever. It's by City of Light. And the second verse sums up all that we have been thinking about lament. Mine are tears in times of sorrow, darkness not yet understood. Through the valley I must travel, where I see no earthly good. But mine is peace that flows from heaven, and a strength in times of need. I know my pain will not be wasted. Christ completes his work in me. Love is sure for Christ has paid for him. 
for God's blessing to be upon us today. Lord, may you not stand afar off from us or hide yourself in times of trouble. When we cry out to you, may we understand your answers. Be with us today and forevermore. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.